0: All right, everybody, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be finishing up the Sermon on the Mount today. And in two weeks, not this next week, but the week after that, we will be going to uh, begin our study in Revelation, which should be fun. Anybody looking forward to that? Ooh, I know, it's going to be crazy. Um Expect the first uh, week just a lot of uh, information because there's tons of different perspectives on that book, and I just want to give you more of a historical background and different interpretations and stuff, so it's more of a scholarly approach the first week, but bring uh, your pens, use the back of your notebooks, let's uh, take some notes and see what the Lord would would do with us and for us, amen? Let's, Let's pray as we begin to get into uh, the final part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Father, we want to thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, Lord, and that no one can come to you apart from him. Father, I pray that your spirit would operate in this place, that he would do his work, of drawing people to Jesus, to pointing people to your Son, the Savior of the world. And I pray, Lord, for the, pre- the people in here who have been walking with you a long time, Lord, that we would be shaken up. We'd be pricked to the heart, Lord. We'd be convicted by your Spirit, Lord, as you see fit today in whatever areas you bring up. And I pray if anyone doesn't know you in here today, more importantly, that you don't know them, that they would surrender their lives to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 13 Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, that leads to life, and only a few find it. Boy, that's a crazy analogy that the Lord lives. He wants us to enter in through the narrow gate. You know, some, some scriptures in life are just so black and white. Jesus straight out says, I want you to enter in. I warn you, I beg you, I beseech you, enter in through the narrow gate. The reason he does this is because there's another gate. A gate that it's wide and broad and it leads to destruction and most, many go down it. It's the easy road. You're going to recognize this gate in life because it's entered by many. It's almost covert in a way. It's hard to recognize, actually, because everybody naturally is on this path, everybody enters in through this gate the wide and the broad gate that leads to destruction. Few find the narrow gate. It's the easy path. It's the convenient path. It's the path of self. It's the, it's the path of, of not denying yourself. It's the path of, of pride. It's the path of man's kingdom, not God's kingdom. It's the path of building up my treasures and my kingdom It's a path of lies. And we're all, by nature, on that path. We're all prone to just skip along. And there's plenty of room. Plenty of room. Wide and broad. And many are on this path. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, anybody remember Pinocchio, like the Disney version? Totally. Remember Pleasure Island? Was that cool or what? I mean, a boy's dream. You could just, it it was so enticing. You could go there and you could do whatever you wanted to do. I mean, there were no consequences seemingly at the beginning, right? You could drink and you could smoke and you could do whatever you wanted to do and make a donkey out of yourself. You know what I mean? But they didn't know as they went into this place this place of self-gratification, this place of self-desire, just doing what you want to do. That there was a curse on that island is pretty interesting. And, and that curse, the, the more that they indulged in this lifestyle, it took over them, and then it would begin to show signs in them. They'd start having ears, and remember Pinocchio had ears and a tail at one point, right? This is kind of the wide gate this path sadly is the default path of all of us. It's the path we all kind of hang out on. But Jesus wants us to enter into the other gate, the narrow gate. Remember he's been giving us analogies of or comparing comparing two different kingdoms, two different treasures. He keeps giving us choices. He's comparing the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of man is the way things have been, the way, the, what you've grown up with, the things you've always known. And then there's the kingdom of God. The way things should be in his kingdom, the way they were meant to be. The upside down kingdom to us, the, it's actually the right side up kingdom. Amen? And we as Christians are to be on this narrow path, this narrow gate. But notice, it's, a, it's an unpopular gate. Not many go down it. It's also a small gate. It's not very grand in appearance. It's a narrow road. It's kind of inconvenient. I don't know about you, when I'm driving, I kind of like the wide lane freeway, don't you? Let's get to where we want to go. I don't want to take side roads and all that stuff and have to stop and be patient. I mean, never mind. I was going to talk to you about Seattle uh, when I was up there. You guys all complain about Seattle. It's like, I need to teach these people how to cut off people. They don't do it right. (laughs) You got to come from Southern California to do that. Anyways, like, no, you did it all wrong. Anyways, but the narrow gate, it's more inconvenient. It's more difficult. But in the end, it leads to what? Life. Life. That is cool. How many of us think that just breathing in and out is life? That's what you've been taught, right? life is actually is is John 17:3 and this is eternal life to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent right to know him that's what life is that's what true life is the one who gave it to us is to know him that is true life we're breathing in and out it's like we're walking corpses apart from him but this narrow gate and Jesus You know, it's interesting. What is this narrow gate? How do I find it? What is the narrow gate? And in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Jesus kind of just lays it out for us. So if you flip over to John chapter 10, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so flip to the right. Get over to chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Raise your hand when you're there. Okay, you'll win a prize. Thank you. I'm (laughs) skipping The last shall be first. So who's last? Who's last? Yeah, Steve Story. Who didn't even try? (laughs) That's the easy path, right? The wide broad... I'm just kidding. Maria. Oh, yeah, you're borrowing. Just read this with me in, in, in your head, okay? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees... He's obviously talking to the Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And personally, I don't understand what Jesus is talking about here. I'm thick-headed like the Pharisees. So, as he continues, Jesus is gracious. Verse 7, Therefore, Jesus said again, Thank you, Lord. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Verse 9 again, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture, but the thief, the other gate, right? The other door, the other guy who's in charge of the big wide slide that everybody goes down, comes only to do what? Kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The gate is Jesus Christ. The narrow gate is Jesus Christ. Unlovely, unattractive, a road of servanthood, a road of self sacrifice a road of others of God's will above my will not a very attractive road a difficult road the disciples road amen but the gate that is wide and broad and many go down it the gate that is man's fallen human nature that Satan just keeps on dishing out all the things you want if he can just entice you enough to continue down this road in the end, you think you're having fun, but what happens? It leads to what? Destruction, death. But the hard road, the narrow gate, Jesus Christ leads to life. What road are you on? What is your life marked by? Is it easy going for you? Have you entered through the gate, Jesus Christ? Do you know his voice? Are you having this relationship with him? It says, my sheep know my voice. One of the ways you know that you've entered in through the gate. There's a relationship. You hear him. You follow. He speaks to you through his word, through people, through circumstances. Now, obviously, this is a growing process. But do you know his voice? If not, he's calling you today. He's calling you to himself. Verse 15. Another situation here. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize it. Jesus warns. His disciples, watch out for false prophets. A prophet was one who spoke on behalf of the Lord. Thus saith the word of God. You know, thus saith the Lord. And he begins to speak. They'd be teachers, pastors, Bible study leaders. Whatever you want to say. People within the church who begin to teach. But Notice. It says, watch out for false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing. Notice, they don't come to you straight out and start smacking you around, right? It's all wonderful, love, Christian-type, culture-type stuff, right? Oh, hey, brother, how you doing? But by their fruit, you will recognize them. What's going on in their lives? What's God doing? If you read several of the New Testament letters, you know, from Paul or from, you know, John or or Peter, they're constantly talking about false teaching popping into, you know, the church. It was interesting. I had a conversation with some Jehovah's Witnesses about the Trinity, and one of their arguments that they This was in front of like a big five and, um, you know, I'm trying to walk away from it, but of course they pull me in, you know, okay, I don't want to do this. You know, you're going to lose. And I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) but I had places to go, things to do, but you know, John was with me and and anyways, they start talking about the Trinity, you know, and you know, it was, it was made up at this one council. And I said, Do you know why they had to define what they already believed at that time? Is because of heretics like you. The ones you follow. I said, And then I asked him, I said, is, is, is marriage between a man and a woman? Or is it between anybody who loves them, chapter, like a man and a woman? I said, Why is it in the California legislature at the time? that we've had to even put this on the ballot because there's heresy. There's someone coming against it. So therefore, at that council, they had to define it. And you're saying they invented it. No, we already believed it, but that's what we had to pen in paper and say this is what we believe because what is orthodoxy? What do we truly believe? You know, heresy creeps into the church. John in his, in his letters to the church, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, read about it. He's concerned. He's an old man, 90-something years old, and he's talking to the church. He's saying, be careful. Man, I've seen Jesus. I've touched him. I've held him. I've held the word of truth. I know him. Listen to what I'm saying. Hold fast to it. Paul, if anybody, if an angel from heaven, Moroni, comes down and preaches another gospel. Let him be accursed. Let him be anethonite, eternally damned. This is serious stuff. My dad was in Vietnam. I shared it with you. He was a pilot in and, and, and a Huey. And, and, you know, the bullet came up flying through the thing and hit right close to his head in the, in the board above him. You know, the difference between him being alive and dead was probably that. You know what I mean? Nothing. And same with heresy, just a, a simple heresy. Something that, oh, by the way, he's a God in John 1 1. Just adding that word a takes away the deity of Jesus Christ. What is that? It's just something so small, but it makes all the difference in the world. And so, as we read, in the New Testament, we see all these examples of, of false teachers. In, in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, and he's talking about the Old Testament, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed these teachers will exploit you and fabricate stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. And skipping to verse seventeen in Second Peter chapter two, it says these people are springs without water, a mist driven by a storm, blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words, and by appealing to their lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who will live in error they promise freedom they promise you freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them so peter warns his flock that false prophets man they're they're, they're a slicky bunch they're they're tricky right and what do they teach they appeal to what our sinful nature don't you want to hear that God wants you to be healed and God wants you to be rich and God wants you to have five cars and every no problems? Don't you want to heal? Hear a steady diet of that? You know? But in reality, how many of you are struggling with sickness? How many of you are struggling with financial problems and all these things that are going in life, you know, and, and to nail them all down to sin, I don't think it's a, is a proper road. You know, perhaps some of you is like in me. I've had, you know, what they call fibromyalgia. I don't know what it is. But for years, I'm in a lot of pain. But through that process, God is molding and shaping my character. Without it, I wouldn't be the man I would be today. Without it, I don't think I'd be serving you here, serving the Lord. You know what I mean? So when I hear someone say, you know, hey, you know, just because your sin matters, it's like, okay, let's take it. I'm a sinner. But I mean, God's doing something in me with with difficult circumstances. That narrow road is hard. Some of you struggle with depression. Depression. Oh, who would you be if you didn't have that war going on inside of you? Sometimes God allows in our weakness, we become strong. We have to who? Cling on to to God. We cling on to him. Oh God, I'm so weak. There's nothing good in me. But when we cling to him, his power can fill us and use us. That's what it's about. And so be careful who you're listening to, what they're teaching about. Don't go on a steady diet of Joel Osteen. Don't do it. Because is he preaching what's preached in here? Is he preaching what Jesus' heart beat for? Ask anybody that you're, you're hearing from. Pastors that talk about money all the time. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Yeah, he talked about money a lot, but what was he talking about? Now, what's your heart doing with it? Is it your God or am I your God? You know? Yeah, he used spiritual principles. If you can't handle your earthly money, how can you handle spiritual things? Given it shall be given. You know, trusting the Lord, these, these things. So be careful. You know that I try to shoot straight. I just try to read what it says up here and and make it. And it's not always fun, is it? It's challenging. It hits you and it should be towards your spirit, not towards your flesh. We're not about reforming your flesh. Your flesh cannot be reformed. It can only be crucified. Paul says to kill it, make it dead. But let your spirit be a slave to Christ. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we're feeding here. We're feeding your spirit. That flesh got to die every morning. Hey, you're dead. Oh, yeah, but I want to, you know, go on Pleasure Island. No, there's no boat there today. Sorry. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. Be careful. These false prophets, they come up and they want to nab you. And Jesus gives us an illustration. It's just in. In uh, verse 16b, it says, Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Boy, this is not for the dyslexic. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. The, the word that's repeated over and over here is what? Fruit. What are we as Christians supposed to be bearing? Fruit. Good fruit. Ephesians, I'm sorry, uh, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be blooming off of us, right? And blooming and growing and, and, and being formed. It's not something we force. It's because it's something we are. And, and we, we we abide in Christ and boom, there's good fruit that happens in our lives. But, a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Look at what's going on in there. Look what's going on in their hearts and their minds and their lives. You know, what's produced in their lives? Does it look like Jesus or does it look like the world? Is it appealing to your flesh or is it appealing, appealing to your spirit? Are they saying things that make and making claims that are sensational and aren't true? How about Harold Camping, right? May 21st, Doomsday, 2011 anybody? Wrong. I think the greatest test is to ask yourself this question. Is the point is this person pointing me to Jesus Christ or is he pointing me to self? Is she pointing me to Jesus Christ or is she pointing me to self? Ask that question. Cuz sometimes, you know, like I said, the, the message of Jesus isn't fun. It's hard. Many of you want to be sleeping right now. Many of you want to be eating right now. Many of you want to go home right now. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you're free to leave. But you know what I'm saying? When Jesus told the disciples, come pray with me, what did they do? They fell asleep. Things of the Spirit are difficult. Our flesh doesn't like them. We crucify the flesh and we press on in the spirit. Amen. And so these guys and if you want to, you know, are these people, are they pointing you to the easy way out? The wide and broad road or are they pointing you to, uh, you know, to Jesus? In Deuteronomy chapter 13, the Hebrews were warned about false prophets and teachers. Check out what it says real quickly and we'll move on. If a prophet... Or the one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder. And if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place, it happens. Wow. Oh, he must be of God. No, wait a second. It says, and then the prophet says, let us follow other gods. Gods you have not known. And let us worship them. Verse 3, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord God you must follow and him you must serve. Keep his commandments and obey him. Serve him, with a whole, with, uh, serve him and hold fast to him. The prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. That prophet or dreamer tried to turn you from the way of the Lord your God uh, and commanded you to, mo- to follow, right? You must purge the evil from among you. Ouch. No, we're not gonna stone Matt after the service, all right? But they serious business, right? So be careful who influences you. What are you listening to? Veer away from that steady diet of of. Things that are apart from the Word of God. You know? Be like the Bereans who searched the Scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was, was so. You're not going to offend me. Search the Scriptures. Find out is, is, is that what God really says? Go before Him. Pray. Seek it. Find it out for yourself and see if that settles. That's our job. That process is hard, that process of discernment. Actually, that's a sign of maturity in the Scriptures. You can check it out in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. The difference between the milk and the meat is to be able to discern good and evil. Having tested your senses, having gone through this process of, of going to the Word and, and matching everything up against it, and you begin to sense what is of the Lord and what isn't. And Paul got on and he said, you know what? You guys, how long have you been in church? You should be teachers by now. Not that all are teachers, but he says, you guys should be able to do this stuff. But I have to kind of go back and do the elementary things. And so all of us, you know, should be engaged in this process. So ask the Lord to help you grow in your discernment. And, you know, and the best way to begin to know what a false prophet is, what something counterfeit is, is to know the truth. Know the truth well. And then when the false one comes up, you'll know it. Hey, counterfeit. Amen? Know him. Be in touch with Jesus. You'll hear his voice, and you'll know the voice of the other. Actually, Jesus says you'll run away from it. That's where we want to be. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Lord, Lord. Lord isn't just Jesus' middle name, right? <laughs> the word Lord implies that we're subject to him. He's our master. He's our Lord, and we're his servants. And as servants, we do the will of the master. We live for him. We don't have a, a say as to what, what, what we'd like to do today, what we wouldn't. It's complete surrender. He bought us with a price. He bought us with his precious blood. We're his That's the ideal. That's what we're shooting after as brothers and sisters in the Lord, as as sons and daughters who have been redeemed and bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Man, these are some pretty hardcore verses here, don't you think? I mean, if take if you just read it literally, which you should, it implies that these people that Jesus is talking to are talking to you right here, right? They they prophesied in Jesus' name. And in his name, they drove out demons. That's pretty cool. And in his name, they performed many miracles. That's awesome. Obviously, this brings up a lot of theological questions, but the one that I'm concerned with for us today is: is it possible to do a bunch of Christian things and not even be saved? Is it possible to go to church in His name for year upon year upon year? Is it possible to go to a home fellowship in His name? to go to a potluck, to tithe? Is it possible to feed the poor in his name? And yet the reality is that Jesus doesn't even know you. The reality is that Jesus doesn't even know you. That's scary. I just have to ask myself that question, you know? Obviously, he knows who you are. And you know about him. But we're talking about a personal relationship with the Lord. A, an intimate relationship where you hear his voice. Where he hears your voice. Where there's that dialogue going on back and forth. Verse 23, you know. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you, what? Evildoers? So those things they were doing were what? Evil. Why? But that's like church stuff. That's hardcore, isn't it? How on earth can casting out demons, performing miracles, and all that be evil? Well, if it's a means that you're Using to be right with God, then they are an affront to the cross of Jesus Christ. God, you have to accept me into your kingdom because I've done all these things in your name. No, we do not enter the kingdom by our works. The best work you've ever done, you could have a life devoted to doing whatever you do, it's not good enough. Remember, I gave you the analogy of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Some of us are a lot better than others, but if we all try to jump across it, some will get a little farther than others. Woohoo! You know? <laughs> it's just not going to make it. There's only one Jesus Christ who jumped the canyon. It's his righteousness that makes us right. And if you're attempting this morning, to become right with God. If you think that you're going to get into heaven based upon what you have done. Depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. That's a hard saying. Good works apart from Jesus Christ, they aren't good at all. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah says, before the Lord. No, we come to the cross. We come with the full weight of our sin and failure, and we cry out for forgiveness to the Father. And we enter in through the narrow gate. Not the gate of going to church or casting out demons or good works or whatever. We enter in through the gate of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross on our behalf alone, period. Nothing added, nothing but the blood. It's not Jesus and and Matt. It's not Jesus and Matt's good works that gets me in. There's no scale. It's Jesus alone. Jesus alone. If you believe something else this morning. You believe a lie. You're going down the wide path that leads to destruction. The enemy would love to get us think to think that we're going to be his because of the things we do. No. I'm born again by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And now as a result of that relationship, because I am saved, because he first loved me, because he took away my sin, now I go in his name and minister in his name. Now, as a response, not of my own volition, but because he bought me in this relationship, now I I am going to church with you because i love jesus. i don't love you not first. because if you were my first reason for being here, that would die quickly. just as if your reason for being here is me. it's got to be him. he's number 1. the reason why we go feed the poor, the reason why we cast out demons, the reason why we raise the dead, the reason why they did that, it's because of him. It starts with him. Works don't get you into heaven. They're because you are heavens. Amen? That he's prepared for you for the foundation. It's so important to know that. And I know these are elementary things for some of you. But it's so important. If you've been sitting here for a long time and you're thinking you're in because of what you've done, sorry, that's reward stuff. That's rewards. We'll get into that in Revelation. But once you're in, through the door, through Jesus alone, through His blood. Now, you'll be rewarded based upon your obedience and what you've done. That's different. That's discipleship. So the important thing is, does He know you? It's not just do you know Him. Even the demons know who He is, and they flee and they shudder. Right? Scriptures say there's only one way, and that's through the narrow gate, through Jesus Christ and he goes on and says in verse 24, I'll just sum it up here. It says, Therefore, any of you who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock, and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I want our church to be built upon the Word of God, upon what He says, upon Jesus Christ. Amen? Because when He says it, because when He says it, because when He says it, it happens every single time. You can put your whole life upon that. But don't build it on the slippery slope. Don't build it on the wide gate. Build it on the narrow gate. Amen? So when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law how the, long, how the Lord longs to know you. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his voice. Let's pray. Father, we know that you've given us uh, so many choices in this life. You've given us such an amazing array of free will, Lord. I want to lift up the person here who doesn't know you perhaps who you don't know more importantly lord there's two roads there's man's road that leads to destruction and there's the narrow road the narrow gate the gate of your son and there's two houses lord it's a house built upon the sand. Or there's a, there's a house built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone in here who has never called out for Jesus Christ to be their Savior. They would do it now. In their heart of hearts, they would cry out, Lord, save me. Come into my life and be my Lord. Take over. I'm no longer my own, but I'm yours. Scriptures say that all who call upon the Lord will be saved. Why? Because He said it. I want to pray for the brothers and sisters in this room who have perhaps been going to church for a long time, boy, when you've been doing a bunch of things in the church or, or for God for a long time, and it's hard to humble yourself. And uh, if that's you, and the Lord's just been calling you to get back to basics, to remember why you're doing what you're doing, to remember that He's the reason, I want you to pray to Him in your heart. Lord would have you to dialogue with him. Lord, am I even in? Do you know me? Have this conversation with the Lord. Father, bless your sheep. Bless your children this morning. Protect them from the evil one. Guide them, and may we hear your voice. In the name of Jesus, amen.